Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. And I'm Courtney. We're sitting next to each other today, which hasn't happened in a, maybe since like the start of the school, the school year. Oh, before, even then? I think, it was, I think it might have been last, se- last season. Yeah. Yeah, we've done some conferences stuff together, but yeah, this is weird. That's true. So this one's going to, there might be extra silliness because <laughs> we're right next to each other. That is very true. That's very true. Okay. We're going to talk more about critical thinking today. Yeah, so we've been exploring the idea of critical thinking, and we've had some guests on to talk about critical thinking and critical thinking adjacent topics. And uh, so we thought maybe, hey, it's time for Matt and I to talk about some critical thinking again. Yeah, we haven't done this in a while. No, we haven't. So we're going to talk about statistics today. The best thing there is. It's right up there with argument. It's right above that. Yes, I no. would agree. You, see, you can't just throw stats out there. You need the argument to contain the stats. That's true. It does go very well together, and that's going to be part of my argument today, Courtney. <laughs> see? Is that, oh, damn it. Argument wins. <laughs> uh, a lot of times we are very uh, math illiterate, as it were. Illiterate? And, uh, innumerate would be the fancy way to say it. Uh, but yeah, we don't we don't do well with with a lot of math type things. Agreed. Uh, we don't have a good context about how large numbers are. Yeah. And we have a terrible job at trying to figure out if something is true or not. Yeah. Or. Right. Well, what's the what's the the jokish thing like ninety seven percent of statistics are made up. That's true <laughs> these days, I would say, is that there's a lot of stuff out there and we have a hard time judging what is accurate and what's not. Right. So, okay, let's talk about critical thinking with statistics, whether that's thinking critically about statistics or using statistics to help tease out other criti- thinking critically about other topics, which which do you want to start with? Just thinking critically about statistics itself, or using statistics in the context of critical thinking? I well, I kind of think it's I kind of think it's both. So yeah. let's let's talk about one that that I think is pretty famous at this point is the 2016 election. Okay. Right. So if we think all the way back to 100 years ago when the 2016 <laughs> election happened, uh, Hillary Clinton was given about if you looked at some of the the normal predictions from like 538 or something, she had about a 70% chance to win. Right. Right. So every, most people that I know of and heard of heard about that and like, oh, she's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. 70%. Oh my God. 70%. That's a lot. Yeah. She's going to win this easily. There's mm-hmm. no chance Donald Trump is going to win. Yeah. Well. And you think about the math there. What does 70% chance mean? It means about two out of three times. Yeah. And one out of three times. Trump would win. Right. Well, one out of three is not that bad. No, that's pretty good odds, actually. You know, though you have better odds of that than you do of flipping a heads on a coin two times in a row. Right. That's only one out of four. So suddenly it's like it's not that unreasonable. Mm. And a lot of the times when we work with statistics or things that are out there, we misjudge probabilities and chances of things happening mm-hmm. and we have to figure out hey that's part of the math behind it yeah you know, we, we're terrible at the math but then trying to interpret what those mean comes into some of of the illiterateness that we have with uh, with numbers these days okay we don't do a good job at that 
So what are some things that teachers or districts or just any humans can do to help people have a better sense of the numbers behind and the math behind statistics? Uh, First of all, teach probabilities and statistics in less of a math way and more of a social science way. What does that mean? So you need to do it in in context. You can't do it with formulas and people punching in numbers and seeing what happens because a it's really boring if that's all you're doing you have to have some context behind what about flipping the coin 50 times that's a good way to start now one of of the tricks that I did as a as a stats person as a stats teacher trying to get this across to my kids I think people intuitively have an idea of what probabilities are sure but they have trouble with the math behind them okay so one of the tricks that I always did was you take a deck of cards okay as a teacher, and you have kids pull out cards one at a time, right? And just see what happens. The trick is, is the teacher. I change all the cards to all red or all black. Okay. And eventually, kids start pulling all of the cards out, and they're like, "Mr. Shea, they're all they're all red." Yeah. What that can't, that's weird. Why mm-hmm. is that happening? So you have an intuition that you're supposed to see a pattern, right? And suddenly you don't. And you have them, you start having to think, why? Why is that happening? Okay. And something's got to be fixed at that point, right? It's not right. Mm-hmm. If I have a deck of cards, I should pull out reds and blacks at approximately an even rate. Right. So then you can start talking about, about coins. And if I'm flipping a coin and I get five heads in a row, oh, let's start it this way. If I get two heads in a row, is that unreasonable? No, it's weird, but it's it's not unreasonable. If I get three in a row. It'd start to be like, hmm. If I get four in a row. That, that I'm definitely thinking yeah, there's something then, up with this coin. Right. Now, to yeah. a point now, you just, just described what um, what statistics can be like because you're like, intuitively something is a little bit wrong here. And then you can get into the math behind it. Okay. But that's when we talk about, about p-values and that sort of thing and uh, probability values. Um, what what seems reasonable and what isn't and you start digging into the context behind it rather than strictly the math if you start with the math you're going to lose kids right but yeah you, can, you have a yeah. sense of what could potentially happen so that's one way one way i would suggest it is teach stats specifically not as math but as like social science all right so let me kind of just like back up a little bit Please. so how do you define or explain what statistics actually are or what the study of statistics is I think that's two different things. Awesome. <laughs> so the study of statistics, I think, would be much more in-depth where you actually bring a lot of the math in at that point. Okay. Which which is different, right? You have to be a little more advanced and use formulas and all that boring stuff that not a lot of people really like except, you know, data geeks like me. Yeah. But when you're talking statistics, that's in the newspaper or on... YouTube well, I was just every sitting here going, can day. I think of like an area of my life where there aren't statistics involved? No. No, it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. It's literally yeah. everywhere. I know we don't like read the newspapers and stuff anymore, but whatever news you're getting, there are stats involved with that somehow. Yeah. And if we just take them all as face value, then 
there's going to be a lot of fake news out there, as mm-hmm. it were. Because you started this show by saying, you know, 97% of all stats are made up. <laughs> yeah. Well, these days there are because it's so easy to get it out there. Right. Right? And if we don't have an understanding of some of the context behind it, mm-hmm. then we're just basically reading words, accepting it, and moving on with our lives. And mm-hmm. that's not right. You, we should always try to dig in if it's important to us or if we're interested. Okay. So then what are statistics themselves? How do you define what statistics are or explain what's so like if I had kindergartners in front of me and I'm selling because they can study and work with statistics but they should know what the word is like how do I explain to a kindergartner what statistics are how many of you are wearing dark colors today and how many of you are wearing light colors okay let's graph those yeah and you can make a very simple bar graph that kindergartners can do immediately and now I have one bar probably higher than the other. Yeah. That's the beginning of what statistics look like. Not just like counting things, that's yeah. a good way to start, okay. but then visualizing it. Okay. Because we are terrible at visualizing what statistics look like. Because I kind of froze there when you said, what are statistics? Yeah. <laughs> because there's so much to it, it right. can be very overwhelming unless you see it. So data visualizations would be good. Any type of graphs, graphs are not scary. Yeah. They can be very, very interesting, but you have to know how to read them. So that's right. what we as educators can do, yeah. is teach them what they what they look like, not necessarily how to make them, but how do you read a graph? Mm. You know, if you read a, a, a basic XY graph, uh, you can talk about uh, change over time, is all where the X value is time, and what happens over that time. And now you can just make your own graph and interpret it in many different ways. There are easy ways to start with that, but too many times I think we start with the math part as opposed to, so what does this look like? How would you interpret this? Mm -hmm. You don't really have to know the math behind how this was made or any of the details behind it or too many of the details behind it. You should know some. But looking at graph and being able to interpret it is, I think, probably our biggest struggle uh, as humans, I would say. Yeah. And I would, I think I would add on to that, asking questions of it. Well, I think that's the next step, right? Yeah. Because if I'm looking at, at a graph and I don't know how to interpret it fully, or I'm just like, mm, I don't know, that's when you want to start digging into it a little bit. Right. Right. And you should probably put graphs in front of kids that they'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, to get them thinking about, about what it could possibly be like. Uh, and then they can start asking the questions and developing some of those arguments about this is why the graph looks like this because this is what I believe. Is that true or not? Yeah. Are all those deck of cards, are they all red? Because I've got a lot of data to support that, but I don't know that. Yeah. But let's dig into some of that a little bit and really figure out what, what the graphs look like. Uh, it can be any type of graphs. It doesn't have to be you know, time graphs or bar graphs or anything. The pie charts are really basic level stuff. You can do this in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And kids love gathering data. Mm-hmm. And then once they're comfortable gathering that and being able to make it and interpret a little bit, you can go a little deeper even when they're in grade school. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a high school thing. So what, is it, how, what would it look like to start talking about probability earlier than I think it usually starts to show up somewhere in middle school some middle school yeah right. that's usually the standard because we try to do the math the math to yep. it yep. yeah yeah well, I'm totally remembering the math behind oh you yeah know, and 
making me a little uncomfortable. But oh my god, <laughs> it should. Hey, probabilities are are not easy to do. No, it's really complicated. It's yeah. it's where in my, my when I used to teach AP stats, probability was we always did that right around like the holiday season, so we could put some fun context to it. Yeah. Because it's deadly boring. Right. And the formulas are not easy to understand sometimes until you have a full grasp. Right. Well, when you're starting, you don't have a full grasp. Right. So it's hard. So what are some... But you have an intuition. Flipping coins, kids know that. Yeah. A spinner. You right, could do a, a spinner. spinner with colors, and then if you if you rig it so it only lands on, like, one side of the graph, yeah. kids will be like, something's not... That's something's weird. Something's not right, yeah. And you have an intuition, but we try to try to overwhelm you with math. So just let some of those things happen at the beginning and have them talk about it and interpret it and don't move to the math. It's okay that you're not moving to the formulas. Yeah. It's okay. So what are some of the, like, big conceptual understandings they should have before moving on to the math? They should be able to look at really any type of graph that we teach in elementary school. Okay. So a bar graph, a line graph, a pie chart, and be able to in- interpret them at a, I would say like an estimating level. Okay. Uh, it doesn't have to be perfect, but you can say that the pie chart is broken into approximate fourths, for instance. You can work with fractions pretty easily. Right. But it doesn't need to be exact. Right. But if you if a kid can give a sentence or two explanation about any type of graph and yeah. how they interpret it, then you can move into more of the difficult stuff, okay. more of the advanced level stuff. Um, but there, there's a lot of math behind it, but it doesn't have to be the formula. Yeah. You have to have a basic understanding of, of numbers at some point if you want to be able to describe things. Right. But that's how you get them to hook, in my opinion, about into fractions and decimals. Uh, and you can start talking that way about estimation mainly. Yeah. Uh, but if you have fractions there, graphs are the easiest way to understand because once you're seeing what it looks like and seeing it in a picture and not in numbers, uh, it the connections become a lot quicker at that point. Cool. So this other one that I want to do before we wrap up here about size of numbers that we do a terrible job at. Yeah. And this is, you know, very relevant <laughs> yeah, these days. Right. Well, it's true. Like, you know, trillion dollar debt. Well, what the heck does that mean? Yeah, like, it sounds we can't like a lot. Wrap our head around that, really. No, we yeah. can't. We're terrible at the really, really tiny things like atoms and molecules, yep, and, really, and what really those levels things. are. Uh, you know, virus levels, hmm? and the really big <laughs> things like you know, millionaires, billionaires, trillionaires. Right. What is that really like? So I saw this this tweet through the Global Math Newsletter. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, we love oh, you, Matt. Hey? This is funny. Uh, it's uh, it's a tweet by at Virtual Courtney. What? It turns out Dr. Courtney Gibbons. That's amazing. At Virtual Courtney. I didn't know that till <laughs> right this second as I look at it. And uh, this person says, "Oh my God, the millionaire billionaire thing is making me bonkers." And then she puts the numbers into a visualization that is easily understandable. If one p represents a million dollars. Most of us are in the zero to one P range. Yeah. Right. Bernie Sanders, as you might have shown from the the debates, has a few P's. Yeah. Meanwhile, Mike Bloomberg has over three liters of P's. <laughs> and suddenly, the difference between a million and a trillion, and anything in between, yeah. you can see that now. Okay, one little P or three big water bottles full of P's. It's a huge difference. It's a huge difference. It's not just like million, billion, trillion, right. what's a diff? 
it's like no no that that's a lot yeah do you know the book how big is a billion or how big is a million i have heard of it yeah that's a really great book for visualizing million and trillion it's it's awesome yeah i think one of the things that we could do better with math and with statistics and big numbers like this is visualize things do you know any resources off the top of your head for that for visualizing numbers and statistics and percentages and things the ones that come to mind are always like advanced level things yeah like how do i data visualize there's I have this really cool book about data visualization okay which is super complex yeah. and you have to really have a good understanding right it's not like a beginning a beginning level book right um, that I know of. If any listeners out there know of some that use yeah. them really well, yeah. please let us know because we love to share these things. Right. And it, it, it actually strikes me as like literally just right this moment, literally, it struck me, literally. Right now. Right now. That um, if you're doing any kind of nonfiction exploration with learners mm-hmm. of any age, get all of those like highly visual nonfiction books for kids that really, honestly, they're written for adults, too, because there's so much information Mm -hmm. in them. But they actually have some really fantastic visualizations of numbers and data in them. I think it's the one thing that's missing a lot. Yeah. Because you think stats, you think math, therefore I think formulas. Right. And therefore, oh, my God, it's just deadly. Right. you got to make it fun. And fun is matching that up to what it looks like. One of my favorite parts of teaching algebra was connecting numbers to tables to graphs because Mm -hmm. now you've got all these different ways to represent something and whatever the person likes the most they'll be able to move forward with it at that point right on you know so as always i think we've come to the conclusion statistics is better than argument because (laughs) it seems to be a subset of statistics nice argument damn it (laughs) i fell right into that again again Well, as always. I think it's just because we need words. I think if you could express all thoughts just through numbers without any words, then maybe... uh, That'd be a very different podcast. Yeah, it'd be a really different podcast. It'd be a really different world. (laughs) Also true. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you (laughs) for that today, Courtney. Uh, You can find all of us at plearnmc.com. All of us. Everywhere at PLearnMC, <laughs> uh, Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, we have a parking lot on our website yeah. that you can ask questions to. You can always uh, email us at... Uh, at PLearnMC. Oh, yeah. PLearnMC like, at gmail.com. Oh, that's the one. Yes. That's, that's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, just, you know how to get in contact. If you've listened to us, you know how to get in contact with us. Yes. Uh, but thank you. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And tell someone else to listen. That's all we ask. Yeah. All right. We'll talk to you.